I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hello, hello, and welcome to another week of If We Were Riding. So, sad violin. Wait, sad trombone. I will be recording by myself. We do have a message from Sarah. She is out in the woods right now. No reception, lots of water, inadequate gear, it sounds like, and hopefully uh, more wine than porcupines. But right now, I'm going to tell you a little story about my 4th of July. So earlier this week in the US, we had Independence Day, And while we didn't have fireworks, uh, I was in the kitchen baking as, as people who listen to the podcast know, I'm, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy cooking and I'm like, oh, while the oven's preheating, I'm going to melt some butter in the oven and a little bowl, super smart, you know, multitasking, totally forget about the butter uh go to put my pan in the oven knock over the butter it goes to the bottom of the oven there's a massive fire i'm sitting there googling how to put out grease fires in your oven as ben is yelling at me and the baby's crying because the fire alarm's going off and there's just black smoke billowing everywhere and quickly find out just douse it with baking soda i yeah it was a whole thing Worst part being that, uh, well, the upside is that I learned how to naturally clean your oven, uh, which I had to do so later. So basically you make a paste of baking soda and you coat your oven with it, let it sit overnight and then wipe it down, clean it with vinegar. Oh, our oven is just gleaming. Obviously the downside being that I did not end up making anything for our family, uh, 4th of July picnic. We did not have fireworks, but we had a little, little fire, little fire in the true household. Uh, so yeah, that's my little story. And coming up on the podcast, we have, let's see, Sarah heads to the woods, a missing bike voicemail from a listener, a Californian talks in and out and don't yuck my yum. Let's talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah, and Feisty Media. 
that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy, and I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years, and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. That's Iron Women, the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts, IRONWOMEN1515 at orca.com. All right, so Sarah, before heading off to the woods, she quite kindly left me a little voicemail explaining where she's going to be, what she's up to. There's a little rambling, a little uh, insight into her process of getting ready for this adventure she's having. So let's, let's roll that. Let's roll that tape. Hi, Sarah. It's Sarah here. And I'm so sorry to tell you that I'm not going to be able to record with you this week on Wednesday at our usual time. And while I'm quite sad about that, I am going on a camping trip (laughs) into the wilderness where I will be disconnected from all cell phone coverage, let alone have a microphone with me to record. Okay, so Sarah, I, I, wa- I just want to tell you right now, <laughs> this is a true confession that like, okay, I have a friend who is, um, actually, she might be listening to this, but she might not because last time when I was in her car, she had her, all the podcasts that she listens to up and she's like, she said something like she had, if we were riding there because she listens to our podcast occasionally, but then she also had um, her other favorite podcasts <laughs> on there. And so she was back a few episodes um, and she's made some comment about something like that our podcast isn't a real podcast, <laughs> which I feel at, honestly is a fair comment. Um, but I think that's also why we love our podcast because you can just, we're, it's easy, you know, like you don't have to worry about digesting you know, big chunks of difficult information from some expert that we're interviewing. You can just kind of listen and enjoy yourself and not worry. It's like you have friends in your ears talking to you while you're running or biking or doing your tours. So I think that is the beauty of our podcast, that it's actually, it's actually like, you know how we say we're a triathlon-ish podcast? We're actually like a podcast-ish podcast, (laughs) I think is more to the point. Um, okay anyway I'm going into the woods with this friend and she is an experienced hiker so she does these multi-day treks she has all the gear the you know whatever she knows what to do she's not scared of bears like I am um, and so she like she literally lends me all the gear we went last year that was the first time last year I was kind of scared I was actually even sick the week leading up to it and I was on antibiotics when we headed out into the woods which doesn't seem like the smartest idea but anyway um So this year, I'm feeling a little bit more confident about it, except that, I don't know, like, we have just had the worst, like, the worst kind of, like, early summer for weather, and it's currently just raining every day. So today, I'm just going to give you an example, Sarah, because now you notice how, like, when Sarah's not here, I just, I'm just talking to Sarah. I guess I'm also talking to all of you lovely people who are listening, but, like, okay, 
she's sending me these texts. I'm literally in real time looking this up. And as the texts go on, I realize we're planning more and more for like some kind of water apocalypse to get to happen during our it's I think it's 50 50 odd k's it's like 35 miles or so that we're trekking we're camping two nights no cell reception there are campsites there are bears there are definitely porcupines if anyone remembers the um from last year so anyway um okay so like she's given me this list of things that I'm supposed to bring with me right? <laughs> Including cash, cash for booze and food, because halfway there's this some kind of lodge that that serves that, that people typically get helicoptered into, where they stay in this like wilderness lodge or whatever, but we actually hike to it. And they sell alcohol and snacks to the riffraff. <laughs> you know, if we wait in like an orderly queue outside, they might come out. We're not even allowed to go into the lodge because it's too fancy and we're all stinky. So like last year, well, I'm on a, I'm on a very large side side story but anyway okay so (laughs) on the second night we end up in this um at this lodge and we don't stay in the lodge to be clear we can't we camp like a mile away from the lodge but at the lodge you're allowed to like stand outside and like they'll come out and they'll they'll you can order off the menu so you have to have cash with you and last year my friend doesn't drink and so it was just her and I and so last year I ordered a bottle of red wine and I think we had I've there was some kind of snacks involved too, like some kind of pastries or something, which I can't have, but she had the pastry. I had the red wine. <laughs> and then because I like, I'm just not the kind of person who drinks a whole bottle of red wine by myself when my friend's not drinking in the middle of the woods when I have multiple kilometers to hike the next day, I actually hiked out. I drank about half the bottle, which I was quite proud of. And then I hiked out with the bottle of wine with me (laughs) and drank it once we got home. So now we have a third person with us. So you'll be pleased to know that this year I will have someone to drink the wine with me. But anyway, I don't know why I went on that tangent. All of this was to say that she's been texting me throughout the last couple days. And I feel like there's like increasing demands about wet weather gear. Like first it's like, do you have a rain jacket or a down jacket? Do you have fleece? Do you do you want me to bring bear spray for you? The answer to that is hell's yes. Um, can you bring extra shoes and socks if yours are not waterproof? Right. So I'm like, as as the texts are coming in, like I'm just I'm trying not to panic, but there's this mild sense of panic happening. She's I said I had holes in my waterproof hokas, and she's like, how big are the holes? Can they be patched? I'm like, are you serious? Like, is this this is where we are. Like, <laughs> and then can you bring a large garbage bag to put your whole backpack in? Um, so it's just, and I said, I feel like the level of rain preparations is going up every second. <laughs> so she said, um, it's, we're just preparing for puddles and muddy trails and porcupines. I'm like, are there extra porcupines? Like last year we had a porcupine basically in our tent in the middle of the night on the second night. And so, um, no, the first night. First, oh God, it's it's all just a blur. Anyway, is it other extra porcupines? And she said that porcupines are probably extra hungry. So basically, I'm going to walk in the rain for three days with porcupine with hungry porcupines, uh, and that is why I can't be here <laughs> for our recording, which. I understand you may question my sanity at this point, and I just hope that I will return next Wednesday for a recording as planned and that 
uh, and that I will just, I will be alive. I think that's the main, I think that's the main goal of this. Uh, so, okay. On a <laughs> different note, I'm not going to say more cheerful because to be fair, I am kind of looking forward to like being off the grid and going out there. Um, my friend that I'm going with is a lot, she's a lot like mentally tougher than I am, which might sound weird, but I, like, I recognize, like, I'm kind of, I'm pretty mentally tough for, for in the moment. Like, if we're in the middle of a one-hour workout, like, I will drill myself into the ground if I need to, you know. But when it's days on days of a hiking in the rain, I think she's going to take the prize for the most, the toughest. So, um, anyway, Sarah, we have a voice uh, message from someone who who has an epic story about losing her bike. So, let's listen to that. Hi, Sarah and Sarah, long-time listener, first-time voice memoir, whatever I'm supposed to say. Um, yes, I have a story about a missing bike in, oh, what it was be, like 2017. I was traveling to Hawaii for uh, Epic Five, which is um, five Ironman or Iron Distance races in five islands of Hawaii over five days. I was flying, sorry, you'll hear my little person in the background. Um, I was flying from Melbourne via Sydney to Honolulu and then on to Kona. I was getting there a couple of weeks early so I could do a bit of training um, before, before my race. Anyway, um, my bike didn't make it to Honu, so I was like, oh, God, you know, what do I do? So I filled out the paperwork and then continued on to Kona and just figured, you know, it, like bikes sometimes don't make planes, that's fine. Um, you know, it'll turn up the next day. And so, you know, I chased it up and chased it up and chased it up. I was talking to friends who, um, you know, work in airline business, no social media, and they were saying to me, like, you need to, yes, you need to um, put this onto social media. You know, if 48 hours, they haven't found your luggage, they don't know where it is. It has gone. It has gone missing. No one knows where it is. So start making some noise about this because, um, you know, otherwise nothing's going to happen. I was like, oh, my God, okay, and that felt really... Um, out of character for me, but yeah, I, I did, and um, I, because you know, I twice um, in the period of time when before I got my bike back, they had assured me, oh yeah, yeah, we found it, we found it, yeah, it's all good, you know, it's on its way to you. And then I'd follow up the next day, and then they'd say to me, I have no idea what you're talking about. We don't know. We'd never found your bike, and this went on for a week before I got my my bike. It was very stressful there ended up being a couple of meltdowns in the way and I ended up getting a phone call from the airline in Sydney and the lady's like yes we know about your bike yes we're onto it yes please stop (laughs) we know all about this and what they'd done is they had confirmed that through the domestic footage that yes it had been loaded on the plane to Sydney but then they had put in a request which was going to take a couple of days to get the international footage to find out where it went. Um, luckily, I had a good friend at work who had connections in the airline security area. And so he contacted him and said, hey, can you help my friend? And it yeah. ended up being that my bike was found in the Auckland airport at the terminal. Um, all the tags had been ripped off. It had been loaded onto the wrong plane and no one knew whose it was, where it was or anything like that. It just appeared. And so they had left it in the, um, in the you know, missing luggage claim section and it had been there just sitting there patiently waiting for someone to come and collect it. 
So yes, that meant that I had to hire a bike from Bikeworks in Kona. I did a ride out to Harvey on that. Um, I did a couple of hours out towards Volcano on it. It was not ideal, but I still had to keep training. And yeah, I have since learned that um, when you travel with a bike, you put your pedals and your shoes in your carry-on luggage just in case this happens, which I did not. So I ended up having to borrow a pair of bike shoes that was half a size too small, but I was like, whatever, it'll do. <laughs> My friend was being very generous in lending that to me. Uh, originally, I was riding on flat pedals. I'm like, well, this is not gonna, <laughs> this is not gonna work. Um, and yeah, we we're making all these contingency plans because my husband was coming over to crew for me, and he was gonna bring my road bike over as a last minute resort if we couldn't find the bike and everything. Oh, it was a massive, massive saga, and it was actually quite funny because it came up on my Facebook memories um, recently as well, my my missing bike post. So. Forever grateful for everybody who shared that post and helped me find it, but it was one of the most intense and stressful times, and I just kind of felt, well, that's all my bad luck out the way. This race is going to be easy from then. <laughs> so, yes. Um, love the show. Thanks for ooh, listening to my very long message, but that is my bike drama story. Okay, bye. Okay, first of all, I love that there was, like, a baby crying in the background. I feel like this is the kind of, like, motherhood friendly environment that I, I totally want to create like you can send us a voice memo if you're you know if you're breastfeeding or if your baby's crying or both or if your children are running around and you know you're the and you're the caregiver in the moment that's fine I, I we're good with that here at Feisty so I love that um I also like that oh first of all it was a week until she got her bike back that's crazy but um do do other people put their shoes and pedals in their bag instead of putting it in their bike box. Because when I lost my bike the first time, I think I think every time I've my bike has been lost, I uh, I started putting my shoes and pedals into my backpack, like my carry-on. And then I kind of, I did it once or twice and went, oh, well, that's pointless. I need this space in the carry-on for the other things I want to carry on. So I just stopped doing it. So are there other people who do that? And has that paid off for anyone? I'm just kind of wondering. Um, the other thing is, you know, I was talking to um, Ella, who's our operations person today, and she's going to a couple races. And there's been a lot of horror stories recently about, I think we talked about it last week, about um, about like luggage getting lost, basically. Uh, and like we, we had both seen the same TikTok about uh, Pearson Airport, which is a Toronto airport, about like luggage just freaking everywhere, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I have no idea what it's going to say. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, I think my suggestion here is that we should all just accept that at some point, if we travel a lot for triathlon, our luggage is going to get lost. And so when it's your time for your bike to be lost, you just go, it's my turn. That's fine. I drew the short straw this time and just accept it very quickly. That'd be my advice. That's my first piece of advice. Second piece of advice is like, make a very quick assessment about whether you're going to be able to find a replacement bike to help you with the race that will be adequate enough for the race or not. Cause if not, you might as well pull the plug and just start, just start training, you know, just like train, have a little holiday, wherever you are, hang out with your traveled or training buddies, whoever you're with, and then go home. Like just call it really early, call it like it is. And don't spend the extra time stressing because I think deep down, like, you know, like, you know, the times I actually really regret spending the three days before a race, trying to get a bike 
that doesn't fit me properly that I have to run ride 180 kilometers on, you know, when I know full well, that's going to screw up my race. Like if this race is already screwed up at that point in that particular race, I could have just like enjoyed the sights and sounds of Melbourne, um, and not, and not, uh, and not worried about it. So that is my advice for maybe newbies who are before their first time of bike loss, just like when it hits, when it's time for you, it's okay. It's totally fine. Just accept it. Okay. So Sarah, on that note, I am going to hand this over to you. I hope that you're having a wonderful week and I, um, I'm looking forward to hearing what you've been up to. Oh, wow. So there is, there is so much we can talk about. Yes. First of all, this is more of a podcast ish podcast, especially on days like this, where it's, uh, you know, a different format. Sarah and I just kind of talk. There's a lot of stuff, but not a lot of content, if you know what I mean. Not a lot of depth to our content, but we have fun. You know, it's, it's like if we were writing. Funny how that podcast name actually is uh, pretty appropriate. All right, Sarah, we wish you the best vacation possible out in the woods. It sounds like an amazing trip. Um, you know, even if you get economy class treatment at the lodge and not first class, because you are always first class in our minds, even if, uh, you know, you don't get treated that way. I think, I don't know, maybe your friend is right that having the right gear would be good, especially in inclement conditions. Cause as they say, you know, there's no, no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. But then again, if you only go out once a year for, you know, a camping adventure, do you really need to have nice gear? It's a great question. Can you rent stuff? Can you borrow stuff? All I know is I'm slightly concerned about your level of preparation as uh, it sounds like your friend is. What else? Oh, hopefully no porcupines, although it sounded adorable. Well, we can talk about that next week. Relive, relive your porcupine adventures. And your insight into the voicemail, I think is pretty spot on. Um, if you lose your bike, you just got to roll with it. I cannot believe that our listener had that experience. So that sounds super stressful. Uh, but you just got to roll with it. It sounds like, you know, you rent the bike. Smart having uh, your pedals and shoes and your carry-on. So... Sarah says that she, she did that a couple trips. Um, I've always found because I've lost my luggage a lot that things that aren't easily replaced and things to kind of tide you over for 24 to 48 hours in your carry on. It's really good to travel with, uh, if you're flying, especially it sounds like, uh, luggage, there are even more problems these days. So yeah, when I was racing short course and we were doing a lot of traveling, I would often have, uh, bike shoes are hard to, to source different places. Pedals are fairly easy, but it's hard to find your bike shoes. Uh, and they're expensive. You can always, you know, I think pedals are small. They fit in nicely. Race suit is often hard to, to source. So I would do that. And then I would have, um, you know, mini toiletries kit, obviously in my carry on and, basic swim gear. So, uh, and basic run gear. So I knew that 
for at least for a couple of days, if I didn't have my bike, if I didn't have my luggage, at least I could swim and bike or swim and run. Um, but yeah, it, it's a little annoying. You end up with a massive carry on. Um, it just means that some of the creature comforts you might not be able to fit in there. Uh, but it's worth it. I think it definitely less stress. Now, one thing I have heard, I haven't done it myself is I have heard that people are putting, uh, like air tags in their bike bags. The problem being that you can have your bike just sitting on the tarmac somewhere and you can tell the agents, I see it. I see it. I'm tracking it. I know it's right there. Go find it. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. So I, I have heard that people have had that experience, but they're like, I know it's there because I have it. I'm geolocating it in this moment. And the agents just dismiss what you're saying. Don't really care. So there's that side of it. Uh, you know, one would hope that having an idea that it's in Auckland instead of <laughs> Hawaii would be slightly helpful for them. I can't just, oh my gosh, what a nightmare. Um, I am so impressed by our listener just being that patient and flexible. So yeah, any tips that our listeners have about traveling with a bike, we recommend, we, we would love to hear. We would love to hear your nightmare stories because most of us have them about travel and missing luggage. All right, coming up, uh, we have a message from a Californian. So this is a listener who, she sent me a message, but I'm just going to read it. All right, here we go. This is, this is a dramatic reading by Sarah True. <laughs> okay, I am from California. I just got back from California for a visit. And yes, I went in and out. The lines are insane. I think the pandemic has ever made everyone go through the drive through and no one goes inside. I went inside and there was no one in there. But the line for the cars was a quarter mile long. As for the way, it's a cult following. It's not that the burgers are spectacular, but you can only get burgers there. If you want something else other than a burger, you don't go to In-N-Out. There's also an offline menu, sort of the underground menu that only the people who are in the know know how to order off the menu items. Okay, so I think there are a couple of interesting points there. Uh, I've actually noticed this myself, is that... We have a Dunkin' Donuts for our Canadian friends. That's that's Tim Hortons of the U.S. Uh, and this Dunkin' Donuts near the pool, there's always this outrageously long line for drive-through. And there's nobody in the parking lot. It's so baffling to me. Why don't you get, why don't you park and walk in because it's going to be less of a, a trip you know, it's going to take less of a visit or less of a wait than sitting in your car. And I do wonder if this is kind of carryover from the pandemic, just people's habits have changed and they're like, yeah, I'm used to this now. I'm used to sitting in my car, getting my stuff without stopping and thinking, Hey, I could probably shave five minutes off of my coffee and donut time. If I just go in there. So very interesting. I wonder what other kind of habits have changed um, because of because of the pandemic. Let's see. The other part. Yeah, I think there's something fun about going to in and out. You feel like an insider 
So my default is I get the double, double, <laughs> this is embarrassing, <laughs> the double, double animal style, which is, you know, I feel, I feel cool being like animal style. Cool because it makes me think of um, uh, animal from the Muppets and everybody wants to channel a little bit of that guy. And also because I'm like, oh yeah, I know enough about in, in and out that I know to order that. So animal style just basically has everything on there. It's a big sloppy, delicious mess. Um, but I honestly think that I partially order it just because it makes me feel cool. Um, so yeah, thank you, Julie, for that message. Uh, maybe, maybe we don't really understand in and out. It's just a thing. Yeah, we don't have that on the East Coast, but uh, respect to respect to them for absolutely crushing it business wise. Um, all right, so our last little segment is don't yuck my yum. The fastest path to living healthier longer starts inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts so you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your Inside Tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher, Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 2.30 whoa, <laughs> and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. 
So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram for gram basis than any other protein source. To try it yourself and get 30% off, use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. I was thinking about this as I was driving home from uh, our family 4th of July celebration. We had this picnic and at the picnic, my mom makes this macaroni salad every year and I don't eat it. I think it's gross. It's, it's like those elbow macaroni mayonnaise. uh, What else is in there? Like hard boiled eggs celery maybe onions i don't know so not my jam so not my jam but i had to step back and be like sometimes it's not about me and really nobody's ever into it i think my dad eats it my mom eats it everybody else gets like a polite little bite i'm like you know that's that's my mom's yum and i can't yuck her yum it's not fair of me to be like, that's disgusting. None of us really want your, your macaroni salad because every year I think she looks forward to it. It's like her special 4th of July celebratory macaroni salad and she clearly enjoys it. So I am not going to be one to yuck her yum. because, And then I, I started thinking about how many things that I do that people are probably... Like it would be very easy for them to judge me, but it it brings me joy. So I'm about to head out for right now. It's nine o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to sneak this in uh, (laughs) before I pass it to our editor, Carrie. I'm about to go out for, you know, five and a half hour bike ride. And for a lot of people, that is a huge yuck. But the people around me, they're like, it gives Sarah joy. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge that right now. Uh, Iron Woman podcast host, Alyssa Godeski is doing 48 peaks over 4,000 feet in New Hampshire. It's this over 300. I don't know. It's going to be this multi-day thing for me. That's a yuck. I don't want to spend, you know, four days going across mountains, you know, but like good on her. So I'm just trying to remember that, uh, you know, I love, I love celebrating whatever makes people happy athletically because I understand what I do might not be everybody's jam. I'm just trying to apply that same mindset to everything that makes people happy. And it's hard. It's hard, but I have to remember that like, you know, this is what makes the world interesting is that, okay, so maybe I'm not a big fan of Manny's macaroni salad, but you know what? My mom does, and that's awesome. And I'm sure there are things that I eat should be like, Bleh. but 
she doesn't say anything she doesn't judge me she just gets on with it and we all should do that for each other because let's be honest if you're listening to this podcast this podcast-ish podcast this might not be everybody's jam but we appreciate the fact that it's your jam and we love you for it all of our listeners we hope you had an amazing week can't wait to hear about sarah's adventures and always send us voicemails send us messages we look we love that this potential yuck is your yum None of you people can tell me to stop My town, my crown We know what it takes to be reaching the top We're reaching the top We're reaching the top We know what it takes to be reaching the top